1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
0: Welcome to Piers Morgan Uncensored. Coming up on tonight's program, for a change, a man who is going to clear up a woman's mess, that's Rishi's vow as he enters number 10. As as you were, Sunak's Stability extends to the cabinet with the big B-stake and all her cages, but Fravelman back at home in the home office. Sorry, I've just completely messed up. They're in our studio, and we've risked them for a clue. Stick around for Just Stop Oil Live.
2: Live from London, this is Piers Morgan Uncensored with Nadine Doris and Emily Sheffield.
0: Good evening from London. I'm Nadine Doris, sitting in for Piers for the final time, sadly, alongside Emily Sheffield.
3: While Piers continues to lounge by the phone in LA waiting for his call from Rishi, we're here to give you the lowdown on our third Prime Minister in seven weeks. Here's what he had to say in his first speech outside number 10 earlier today.
2: This government will have integrity, professionalism, and accountability at every level. Trust is earned. And I will earn yours.
0: Rishi, Rishi, Rishi. No, no, no. The Conservative Party is a broad church. It's MPs, members and voters too. Appoint your cabinet from across the political spectrum. It's the only way that you can reassure the party that you are serious about unity and integrity. And they're two words you've used a great deal over the past few days. It's in the first act as your role as Prime Minister, and you will be judged on that. Get it wrong, and it will set the hairs running about what type of Prime Minister you'll be and what you're likely to do before you've even begun to talk about your policy. Two, you have no personal mandate to hold the position you do. No-one has voted for you to be Prime Minister, and therefore you need to take the 2019 manifesto seriously. It is the only legitimacy you have, and you have to cleave to it. When an election comes, you will be judged by which of its promises the Conservative Party kept and which of its objectives it achieved. Push ahead with a gigabit rollout for 100% coverage. It's the biggest single driver to meet the levelling-up target. Build the hospitals. Get the 20,000 more police on the streets. Because if you don't... At the next election, people will ask why they should trust the Conservative Party to deliver on a new manifesto when it failed on the last. Three, end the psychodrama in the party. Sadly, I think some of the faceless and unaccountable people inside Number 10 who have been behind much of the turbulence within the party in recent years are still in place and still pulling the strings behind the scenes and I think you're a bit too close to some of those people. End it now. Four, continue with the policies people want and need, such as social care reform, which cost $1 a mere Treasury rounding error. Leveling up meant a great deal to many who are left behind in the communities, like the one I grew up in. The skills needed for our economy and emerging industries are creative skills and critical thinking for our tech sectors. They can be found in any back streets in any community. Reach out and show exactly what compassionate conservatism means. And five, sort out our NHS. It's an old chestnut, but we employ far too many managers in the NHS and too few frontline doctors, nurses, and midwives. Jeremy Hunt didn't manage it in his seven years as health secretary. You sort it out, Prime Minister. Show us what you're made of.
3: Wow, well, thanks for that, Nadine. We are gonna come back to you very, very soon on that. Because I think there's lots of talking points in there, and we've heard we've now got the cabinet in. Most of his cabinet are in, so we're going to cross first to Westminster to Kate McCann, Talk Teeves political editor, who's first with the latest on who's in and out. Kate,
4: any surprises in there for you? Well, I think the surprise for most people today has been the appointment of Suella Braverman to Home Secretary. But the most recent appointments, they are still being made, of course, are people like Mark Harper. He's the Secretary of State for Transport. We've seen Johnny Mercer. He's now the Victims Minister and Tom Tuggenhart reappointed as the Security Minister. There are still questions about Gavin Williamson and Andrew Mitchell, both seen going into number 10, but so far I don't know what their jobs are. We haven't seen any news on exactly what appointments they have been given yet but I think when you take a look across the board Rishi Sunak started the day by saying what he wanted to do was create a cabinet of all of the talents that would promote unity and that would focus on delivering the 2019 manifesto and if you look at the types of people that have been appointed some of them reappointed they are heavyweights who've been in cabinet before they've held big jobs before or they are known for getting things done for delivering people like Michael Gove and Steve Barkley in two key offices in the Department of Health and the Department for Leveling Up and Housing, reappointment of Ben Wallace at Defence and James Cleverley at Foreign. Those are heavyweight people who have been sort of doing those jobs for a while, have a good reputation. Interestingly, Michael Gove given the job of looking across all of the government departments and agendas to see what problems might need unblocking. So I think from those appointments, it's clear that Rishi Sunak is going to carry out what he hopes, you know, to try and deliver that 2019 manifesto. But there are some appointments that are causing a little bit of concern, I think it's fair to say. And the one so far that has got Labour's backs up, maybe that's what the Tories want, Nadine, maybe you can tell me, Is the appointment of Suella Breverman at Home Secretary... You know, she was sacked, she resigned, but essentially she was asked to resign because she broke the ministerial code just a week ago she sent private documents via email to somebody who wasn't in the cabinet they needed cabinet approval she was asked to leave she handed in a resignation it was very clear from that letter that she was unhappy about it there'd been a row in the background between Liz Truss and her about immigration and just a short time after that resignation she's back in cabinet back at home secretary and she has some fairly strong views i think that appointment tonight is the one that is rustling the most feathers
3: Great. Thank you, Kate. So much to talk about, Nadine. First, let's... Because she was just talking about Suela Braverman. Now, this is, a, this is a Prime Minister who came in on his speech, in his first speech to the nation. He talks about reinstating integrity. He then reinstates Suela Braverman to the Home Office, who had just been removed by Liz Truss for breaking the ministerial code. So I just want to get your reaction first and then I'm I'm going to go to the panel because I I, I think for many, the return of Suella Braverman was quite a surprise.
0: Yeah, and I think we're going to hear a lot about that, actually, because I know a lot of my colleagues in the Conservative Party are not overwhelmed and... um... And are overwhelmed by uh, her hap- return
3: or weren't overwhelmed by her when she was in the Home Office, um, office before? Both.
0: Sorry, underwhelmed. And, uh, sorry, and um, I, I think we're going to hear more about that rumbling on over the next few weeks. I think that's probably a big slip-up. The rest of the Cabinet, actually... I mean, I've sat in Cabinet with most of those people. It's not a lot of change. It's actually the cabinet that's been in place the last year. Plus, I don't know if you remember, but Boris Johnson put in place a temporary cabinet over the summer. It's kind of a mishmash of them both. But don't you think... You were saying at the beginning in your five points
3: you've got to build a unity cabinet. I I feel that is quite a unity cabinet. That feels like that is bringing a lot of elements from right across the party. And there's
0: not much change, though, to be honest. There's not much change. Well, you've got a very big change... A lot of those people were in Michael Gove, Steve Barclay... A lot of those people were in the cabinet before. They well, already Steve there, only, and it...
3: to be fair, Steve Barclay had only just moved into health, and then was removed by Liz Truss. We've got a new chancellor. That's that, that's a big deal. Um, uh, Salma, what what's your view? I, I feel this is a unity cabinet, and he's made he's made a lot of former adviser to Sajid Javid.
5: So I think what's interesting is that yes, you can absolutely say that this is a unity cabinet, but there are also political realities to it. So, it's not just about sort of having this broad brush and saying, I'm really, I'm going to, it's all going to be rainbows and puppies and I'm going to bring this cabinet together. It actually is the fact that Suella Braverman went out early to support Rishi, and she is um, a figurehead in the very powerful ERG, very messy ERG group that can cause a lot of trouble. And so, I don't think Rishi was really in a position where he could move that. And again, I'd love to hear Nadine's view on this, but, you know, a lot of those people, like James Cleverley, were big Boris supporters and actually. Does Rishi really want those people on the back benches causing trouble? So I think that's also a political move. Nevertheless, it is sensible to bring some stability into Cabinet. It is sensible to make that as wide as possible. The challenge he's going to have is really, is everybody equipped in this short space of time to be able to deliver on the things that you need to deliver? Nadine, you're absolutely right in the list that you gave at the beginning, delivering on the 2019 manifesto commitment. But those hospitals, those um, extra police officers... All of that is going to require real operational delivery. And this is not a criticism of everyone, anyone in the Cabinet, but, you know, there are lots of people on the backbenches of the Conservative Party that could do a lot more with the delivery. And I think a few of these people are a bit too new to that Cabinet I, I just want to
3: bring in here, because we've got the Labour advisor, Richard Power, Saeed, former Labour advisor, Richard. Um, what, what's your feeling on Suela Braverman? Because I, I, I feel that she... I, I absolutely agree with, Sal, with Salma... Immigration was a big, big thing on the doorstep in the last election.
6: Perhaps And
3: so. I think it's going to be a big thing on the, on the doorstep, particularly up in that red wall again. Mm. So how's... La- Labour doesn't really have an answer for immigration. It's one of those ones they keep sort of slithering around. But they are... It is, it is a big issue on people's doorsteps. So how are they going to counter... How are they going to counter this?
6: I look at the uh, appointment of Suelle and I just think that looks like an act of political weakness. It looks kind of desperate. Like, here's somebody who is recognised as being... Not simply a person on the right, but a person on the right who is unusually superficial in her political presentation, unusually insubstantial in the kinds of things that she wants to talk about when she's going out into the media or when she's at a Tory Party conference. There are people on the right who are bigger hitters than her, and, she, they, and for some reason he's gone with her in home se- as for Home Secretary. In you know, in the coming weeks and months, do, do, do we think?
3: And Salma, you might might know, she backed Rishi very early on. Um, it, it, was this a deal? Was this a deal
5: done behind um, doors? It wouldn't surprise I'm me. I'm very sure it and, was. And, and I've, got to, I've got to say, I do agree with Richard, that it's kind of... You can read it both ways. Is it an act of political strength to try and unify and stabilise, or is it an acknowledgement of political weakness? And Nadine said it again at the top, you know, that, that idea of one's mandate, that idea of kind of, like, what I can get away with and what people will actually wear. So even though... And look, you know... I am glad that Rishi's there. It is stabilising. It is stabilising for the market. We we have saw
3: gilts for the dramatic. So there,
5: there is a point. But we're not out of the woods with Rishi's premiership, and we have to be really alive to that fact. I do think that there are kind of, I mean, and I would obviously think this, but I do think there are holes in what, what Labour is presenting in terms of, you know, you can be angry and upset about Suella Braverman, but a lot of people do recognise that she ha- does have a tough stance on immigration, and they are looking for a tough stance on immigration. Yeah, but somewhere mm-hmm.
0: where are Labour, Richard? They're not anywhere. We've had very little in the way of commentary. I mean, Keir Starmer should airwaves be... Keir Starmer should be out everywhere, He's nowhere. Where is he? Where are Labour? Right now, do you
6: think right now he should be out? No, not at all. This is a moment. Well they usually
0: are. They're usually (laughs) out criticizing the cabinet appointments. They're usually trying to fight for the for the airtime and the news waves, and they're not anywhere, they're totally silent. Where are they?
6: Labour needs to leave the Tories to have their polling bounce and then in a month or two. Rishi Sunak is going to get torn apart by the Conservative Party that is currently rallying around him. It's going to be, at, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be terrible because it's are, terrible are for the sure? country. Because
3: you Because you, 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 they, they surely can't be relying on that. The Tories are looking at, I mean, if, we, if you take the polls, they are looking at electoral wipeout. I can't help feeling a lot of MPs are not going to want to lose their jobs. And this could we're not gonna see unity. I think that's well, virtually that have... impossible in any electoral as any any party, Labour will have its own fights if it gets to power. But surely they should be on the attack right now. No, going
6: I think after... you wait I think you wait for the so Tory you're... party to have its own. So they're apart. waiting
0: for the Tory party to lose rather than Labour to actively try and no, win.
6: No, I think that in the coming weeks and months. It's going to be utterly terrible for anybody who isn't a millionaire tax dodger in this country. If you've got an elderly relative who needs to go into hospital, you're going to be incredibly oh, worried about isn't... them I'm really of... sorry
5: I'm not a millionaire tax dodger and you know things will be hard for people like me as well so that that's unfair you know we weve said they'll
6: we've be got... difficult for middle class people they'll be difficult for working but, class but, but, but people I'm They won't a, but be but difficult I'm Tory, for Rishi sooner but will I'm they? a
5: Tory that supports the Conservative Party and I'm not going to say. your them. own interest not, no it's not against my own interest because ultimately, we are looking at a stabilisation. And as much as I am ve- incredibly critical of the mini-budget, there are trends that are occurring in the economy that would have led to rises in inflation anyway. The rise in inflation was happening as the leadership contest was unfolding in the summer. The rises so in inflation that's, are that's, the so totally external
6: not- to the economy. They are Ukraine, they are covid Exactly. There is, there is exactly. no so real wage cons- rises. So it's,
5: so it's that... not the cons- so it's not a conservative. But the Conservatives do bring in a national living wage, right? So the, there is a recognition, has been a recognition a long time ago, that re- wages did need to rise because inflation at some point would go up. But this is the point that I'm trying to make is categorising Tories as people who just love tax dodgers or whatever. I think is a real false picture. I'm categorising the
6: Prime Minister and the people who are Particularly when you look it. at our
0: red wall seats. So, Salma, do you think the party is going to unify?
5: I think it's going to be a really difficult journey to unity. I, I do. And I think, I, on the point of kind of like, where is Labour, I, total, I think it's a legitimate tactic to say, let the Conservatives tear themselves apart. I get that. But at this point, and you're quite right, you know, with people feeling where they are with the electorate, it's uh, feeling as it is, and I include myself in that, I think the Labour Party would have to show me and people like me that they are really serious about this and hungry for it and really want the win. They're not just going to sit back. So, so can I say what Labour will do?
3: I still think there is a point to be made that Labour, they they are ahead in the polls because of the Tories failing... They are not ahead in the polls, which was the case in Tony Blair's day when they were spelling a vision out for the country. I still don't really see that vision so, that, so I think that was... I'm not looking at his shadow cabinet his policy and policy so no, Oh, no, no, oh wow, no, no. Calm, I trust calm, them calm, the
5: calm, economy. The policy polling shows... I want to know what Richard's going to say about this. I'm, I want to be convinced, God.
6: So, in the coming weeks... Keir Starmer is going to be saying, we need to have another windfall tax on the energy companies that are profiteering out of Ukraine. That's how we can pay, it. for instance, for doubling the number of doctors that we're training. That's how we can double the number of district nurses that we're training. And Rishi Sunak's going to be saying, oh, yeah, sorry, we're actually going to uh, not do that because we're OK so with people dying in then, ambulances is- outside of uh, A&E's and at that point you're going to see a really really key political difference between labor and the tories and that is why already actually the polling has been changing such that it's not just that people are going to don't knows from the tories people are now saying yeah we're going to actively support labor that's people especially in the red wall that's a different kind of polling change. still to
3: come thank you so much still to come on the show He's promised to clean up the mess from Liz Truss, shambolic 50 days in charge. But just how many bottles of Mr. Muscle will Rishi need to get number 10 looking ship shape? That's next.
0: Welcome back. Well, Rishi Sunak has created Liz Truss's top team and retained leading allies of Boris Johnson in his new cabinet. Let's bring in former Conservative MP Anne Whiddecombe. Anne, what do you think of the makeup of the new cabinet?
7: Well, he's obviously going for stability. That's obvious in his choice for the top jobs. Uh, bringing back Suella, uh, who after all has only been gone for about five minutes, keeping Jeremy Hunt. Uh, a foreign secretary similarly, Uh, obviously going for stability, obviously also going for both the right and the left of the party to fulfil his promise of cabinet of all the talents. Um, The real test now will be uh, the parliamentary party um, because it has been ungovernable uh, and now the big question will be, given the breadth of the cabinet, uh, whether it will now just get on with it because if it doesn't get on with it, Keir Starmer will. And, Anne, how much hope do you hold out for that? Do you
3: think, do you think he's going to manage it? Do you, think, do you think, faced with electoral wipeout, that there might at least be... I mean, I heard other commentators saying today they'd he'll probably be hoping to at least get till January or February without some big row? Uh,
7: well, I mean, the real test will be when the first thing goes wrong, but uh, uh, there's nothing like the prospect of being hanged in a fortnight to concentrate the mind. Uh, And, okay, it's not a fortnight, but it is only two years to the next general election, with Labour having an unprecedented lead, which I believe can be cut, actually, quite soon. But it won't be cut uh, if there is a continual factionalism uh, and threat and people putting in letters and all the rest of it. Party's just got to calm down. And on that rests everything. On that rests all the law and the profits, so to speak. Everything rests on the behaviour of the parliamentary party.
0: Are you happier tonight than you were, say, last week? And what do, you think, what, what do you think will happen the first time he drops the ball? What do you think the first big issue will be?
7: Well, I mean, that, that, that is the big question as to what will happen when he, he drops the first ball, as he will, as all prime ministers do. Uh, and uh, you, in the past, the Conservative parliamentary machine was very, very disciplined and it just stood behind uh, the prime minister. I can remember, however, there is a parallel here. I lived through in Parliament the deposing of Mrs Thatcher. And I can promise you that feelings were running very, very high. Parliamentarians not speaking to each other, absolutely furious. The whole thing had to be settled down by John Major. And it was because there was a prospect uh, of a general election within a couple of years, exactly where we are now. So I believe that things may calm down. For that reason. And also, it's interesting, one of Major's first pronouncements was, I'm going to have a cabinet of all the talents. Rishi Shunak, one of his first pronouncements, he's going to have a cabinet of all the talents. That will calm the lockdown because everybody will feel they're represented somewhere in the cabinet. And can I ask
3: you, uh, you know, Labour have obviously been calling for a general election. I think they realise that's that's not going to happen. Uh, the Lib Dems were admitting today that they, they didn't think that was likely. When do you think he should call an election? Do you think he should leave it as late as possible to give time for the economy to give time for the economy to recover because it's not in a good place right now? He's got some really tough decisions to take.
7: No, it's not in a good place right now. Uh, nobody's economy is in a good place right now. Uh, And I don't see everybody's economy, including ours, being in a good place uh, within the short space of two years, but it will be in a much better place. That's what he's got to uh, aim for. And if everything is calmed down and we can see where the ship is heading... Um, I don't know where Keir Starmer's ship is heading because he simply doesn't have a set of policies. If we can all see where the ship is heading, uh, I think that will reassure the general public immensely. And I know that people are saying, as they said after the fall of Thatcher, as exactly they said then, never vote Conservative again. But faced with the choice between that and a socialist government, they'll vote Conservative even if they hold their noses.
0: So, Anne, in 92, that general election, that John Major, that we faced after ousting of Margaret Thatcher, the Conservatives only just held on by the skin of the teeth. Now, can I ask you, were you disappointed at the weekend when Boris Johnson pulled out?
7: Um, I think it was inevitable for this reason. Um, the Parliamentary Party, as I said, was ungovernable. Uh, and if he'd come back, he'd have come back to exactly the situation which he left. And I don't think the party uh, would have been any more stable and settled. I think what Rishi has done is stabilise the situation. Um, And although I was a trust supporter because I I liked the bold vision, um, I now get behind Rishi and I hope that everybody else will do the same because if they don't, we're going to have Keir Starmer.
3: Thank you so much, Anne, for joining us this evening. Thank you. In his speech outside Downing Street, the Prime Minister admitted mistakes had been made by Liz Truss and that the government would have to take tough decisions to restore market confidence. Joining me now is Richard Murphy, Professor of Accountancy, Practice, at the University of Sheffield. Good evening. Hello. Hello. Just talk us through how big are the economic problems facing the new Prime Minister. We have seen the Gilts uh stabilizing. They've, they, they've dropped. Is that gonna be is that gonna be a, a help for him?
2: Not really. Let's be honest, I've just got the chart open to have a quick look at it, because I heard you mention that earlier. And guilts tonight are at the level they were last at in June 2010. Um they have fallen a bit today, yes, but they could rise tomorrow, and they might, in reaction to the budget on Monday. These things are volatile. The fact is that the volatility is still there. There is nothing that has greatly reassured markets since quasi Kwatang has gone. And that definitely did help. But And the reversal of the mini budget, of course. But right now, we're all sitting in tent hooks, wondering what on earth is going to happen on Monday. I've just heard uh, Winnie Whitcomb saying every prime minister literally has their first disaster. And budgets are very often those disasters. I have a very strong feeling that Monday is going to be a very comfortable, uncomfortable evening for him and the newspapers might not be happy on Tuesday morning. There will be something in there which is going to upset everyone.
0: So, Richard, what do you think the Prime Minister needs to do now to turn this around, to to study the markets, to, to put the measures in place that would make you happy? What does he need to do?
2: Well, the first thing he has to do is not worry about the markets. The markets will sort themselves out. The reason why the markets will sort themselves out is that by next February, inflation will be declining. That's a simple mathematical fact, because inflation is a measure of one year's prices compared to the previous year's prices. Well, by March next year, certainly, we'll be comparing March 23 prices with March 22 prices, which will have already been inflated by Putin's war. So As far as the markets are concerned, inflation will be down and they'll be much happier. Prices will, of course, not have fallen one iota, but there will be happiness on their part that inflation would have fallen so markets are easily satisfied by simple things like that what people in general aren't happy about is the fact that tonight a plate of pasta is costing 60 percent more than it was only a few months ago because of real underlying inflation that's the disaster we've actually got and if he's going to keep not just the markets on side but business on side and remember the tories are the party of business he's got to deliver growth the only way he can deliver growth and yeah that's exactly by the way what Liz Trust said, but he has to do the same, because if he doesn't, we are moving into a very rapid recession. And the only way he can deliver growth, because Brexit isn't going to help it exports, that's just a fact, let's not discuss the politics of it, that's what we know, and businesses aren't investing because of high interest rates and because of uncertainty, and consumers are pushed to their limits, the only thing that can now grow our economy is increased government spending. So what he's got to do to actually keep the markets happy is the exact opposite of what most people are saying, which is spend more, which would deliver the levelling up agenda, which I know you're particularly keen on, Nadine, but it would deliver the security for people's jobs and their futures and keep them in their homes. Because if we don't bring interest rates down, millions of people could literally end up homeless within a year. They won't be able to pay their mortgages. They won't be able to pay their rents. They won't be able to feed their children. I don't know how Rishi Sunak would deal with that.
0: So Richard, can I ask you, who do you think would be a better prime minister for the economy, Rishi Sunak or Keir Starmer?
2: Oh look, marginally Keir Starmer. I'm not a great fan of Keir Starmer in this area either. So let's be blunt about it. I'm not playing party politics here. I'm talking are economics sure? here. That's yeah, what. Are you playing not not party
3: sure? politics? <laughs> why? why, are you why would so Keir I've been hearing some strong Labour arguments going on this evening. I can see Salma sitting there
0: shaking her head on but our no, panel. no, let's <laughs> ask Richard. Why Keir Starmer? No. Why would Keir Starmer be better for the economy?
2: Well, look, I said he marginally. He said nothing. They have promised a £28 billion fund for investment, for example, in sustainability. Uh, come on, I actually anything. think it should be £100 billion. Look, hang on, I think it should be £100 billion a year and that can be raised. I don't see a problem with raising it. I would change the how, rules on how, ISIS. How today. is
3: that going to get raised? We, we, just Increased saw borrowing? Liz, we just saw Liz Truss come in with all these unfunded... A, unfunded tax costs, but a huge level of borrowing... To fund those tax cuts and for, the, and for to help out with people and their energy bills, and the markets reacted violently. You seem to be arguing right now that we we're sort of for trustonomics again. You've even been talking about growth end. where most economists have said there's nothing we can do about growth for the next two years. We have to deal well, with inflation. Wrong.
2: Let, let, let me explain why they're wrong. I mean, let's go back to we have a crisis. Sunak was absolutely right. We have a crisis. And in a crisis, the only thing a government can do is spend. We're in a crisis so bad, there's probably been nothing worse since the beginning of the Second World War. Thankfully, we're not at war ourselves. But the downturn that we face is so catastrophic that we need to follow the rules of that time. We actually borrow from our own population. We encourage people to save with the government. That's where I would get the money from to do that levelling up and sustainability programme. But let's not get frightened of the national debt. Let me show you what the national debt looks like. That's it. Anybody who's watching who doesn't want their share of the national debt, would they please put it in an envelope and send it to me because it's just money. (laughs)
3: Well, we just saw the cost of borrowing going up. Makes the world go round. They were were unfunded. It was unfunded. It was unfunded unfunded tax cuts and the markets reacted and the the borrowing went up. Do you just want us to keep paying huge amounts of interest and and, and just keep borrowing and borrowing? can we bring Summer well, in here? Let me yeah. be
2: clear, we don't need to pay large amounts of interest. We can tell the Bank of England to cut the interest rate. We don't need to actually yeah. increase that interest rate. But we and don't by the get way, the, the, way England, by the, the way in which the government calculates its interest costs are really totally wrong. The interest cost is nothing high, as nearly as high as the government claims. Okay. Its accounting is wrong. I'm in mean, correspondence okay. with the Office of National uh, Statistics okay. on that. Uh, listen, we R- can Richard, afford to spend. Richard, we're going to move to our pack.
3: Thank you so much. You've raised lots of. Yeah, I, I, there's a lot... I've got to take it to our pack because I've seen Salma literally shaking her head about ten times, so I'm going to let her have a chance to come back on some of what you've said. Salma, just pick
5: up, because I literally saw you going,
3: oh, what is he saying? So I, sort of, so I just I,
5: want to have a, a counterbalance because I, I, you did I, work for Sajid I, I'm not an economist, and so, you know, I think, I think we have a, a better sort of economist in the studio who can um, talk to some of the most specific points. But, I mean, you just said it there. He, what he's talking about is trustonomics. And yes. we've just seen that massively fail. He just said the markets can look after themselves. Well, no, we've but just the market's, seen what
3: the markets so, do when uh, they're so, not happy.
5: I, I'm, I'm, like, a pretty uh, typical conservative, right? And I'm I'm probably not typical for, for current conservatism or where that is, in that I think that the state should be smaller because I think other people in the markets do it better. Now, that's not because I, I think that it should be completely free or laissez-faire, it should be properly regulated, but actually private capital and the markets do things better than government and the idea that government is responsible for growth is a complete anathema to me as a conservative I think it is about entrepreneurs I think it's about small and medium-sized businesses and big businesses and you think government should be there to help them yes run and their businesses as they feel uh, but I'm also not one of these people that thinks that it's all about cutting red tape and it's just about deregulation I think good regulation can deepen and strengthen markets and sectors I just think it's so silly to say, oh, we just should tell the Bank of England where they should s- set their interest rates. Well, we can't, that, by the way, because, because they're they, independent. They, they for are a independent start. for a reason, and all political parties at the point of that independence agreed that it should be independent mm. and it should not be a
0: political decision. Yeah, and we just will we we'll go back we just, to the old days of the ARM. Well, well so we there, just there saw is a nuance. nuance where, on, in his defence, though, there was a nuance to his argument. And yeah, the, the trust The big failure was that the markets were completely unprepared for what she was about to say. I don't and think that's. Can I can, can I correct well, you a they, bit on that? Well, on the 45p tax, they, they, they're abolishing sure, that, yeah, and they that. had no idea that was going to happen. Now they'd already factored in the other stuff. But they had no idea about that. And there is an argument to say that when you go out to stakeholders, when you go out to the OBR, the IMF and others, and you talk through with them what you're about to do and give them the chance to interact with that and to put their point of view over, that when you announce a policy like you're going to increase borrowing, you don't get that violent reaction that we got from the markets. And that was the failure of what happened with Liz Truss and her... Mini budget. It was the fact that it was sprung on the markets, and they had no idea. I don't no think it was idea. Only that it was sprung; it's that so much of it was
3: uncosted, yeah. and unfunded. But, but yeah. let's speak but in, 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 in,
0: in an inflationary period. Yeah, but yeah, so you have that discussion beforehand about yeah, yeah, how definitely. it's going to be costed. I, 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 it think was it was, was, I think there would have been a lot of
3: pushback on her mini budget anyway, and I then she I might think have think changed her position. I think this is not position. quite right.
6: I think this is not quite right, guys. And just to say, I'm also not an economist, but it's I do right. know. <laughs> it was very nice to be to pretend to be one for a few minutes. 89% of um, of those of that borrowing and of those tax cuts um, in the mini budget were pre-announced. Yeah, 89% of it, and during that period when that had been pre-announced, gilt markets did exactly the same thing that international markets were doing. So actually, there was a lot more space. For spending or tax cuts or not that i'm a fan of trustonomics but there was a lot more space for it um in the markets and i think is generally recognized and we need to think back we need to think back to 2010 right at that Mo- that moment, we had Cameron and Osborne making a political ac- excuse out of a crisis and the result I'm was sorry. tens of thousands I of di- people died. I, I do, not accept, IMF, I do IMF, not accept that. Even the IMF themselves said that it has that ruined... a
5: political th- choice. That was ev- not a political choice. You left the country with no money. That's nonsense. That's nonsense. You <laughs> you even the IMF said... You left the country with no money. Even okay, the IMF okay, said... Okay,
0: okay, no, no, okay, I'm, sorry. I'm going to make this point. I, the, even the IMF said that it ruined growth. Even the IMF said I'm sorry. I've got to thank Thank you now. Um both of you. <laughs> Very lively. Thank you to our panel Salmon and Richard. But coming on next on Piers Morgan and Censored, is this really public service broadcasting? My thoughts on Channel 4's latest bit of attention seeking.
1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
0: Welcome back. I'm a former culture secretary. I like to say I'm a recovering secretary of state. And one of the thorns in my side of the department was culture like this. How do you feel about
8: that penis? It's gonna kill me. It's either don't go out or someone stares at you really.
3: I'm <clears throat> oh, so I'm just recovering from all those. <laughs> from that clip. Boris Johnson's government was that close to privatising Channel 4. The idea being to sell it off and make some money back for the taxpayer. But the decision is on hold while a new lot of ministers re-examine the business case. Same goes for the review into the BBC licence fee. And clips like this won't change things. We showed you this yesterday, but it's worth a replay.
4: Well, this is all very
3: exciting, isn't it? Hello and welcome to our look ahead to what the papers will be bringing us tomorrow. Am I allowed to be this gleeful? Well, I am. So, scrap the licence fee and sell off Channel 4. Joining us now is Patrick Barwise, Emeritus Professor of Management and Marketing at the London Business School.
0: So, you have to pay a licence fee to watch television. No... At the at BBC... No other broadcaster, I mean, it's £36 billion a year, if I remember rightly, that they yeah, raise yeah. from the three million...
8: 3.6, you mean?
0: 3.6, that's exactly <coughs> what it meant, obviously. Mm. So do you <clears throat> think that's fair when other broadcasters don't get a penny of public money? Uh,
8: well, it's not quite true that other broadcasters don't get a penny uh, of public money uh, because the BBC in the UK gets most of the licence fee money. It also funds things like... Uh, it funds the the World Service outside the UK... Well,
0: that's funded by the Foreign Office as well.
8: And it's a mixture now. Yeah. Um, And uh, S4C, the Welsh Channel and so on. Uh, But about 92% of the licence fee money uh, goes to the BBC. I think the question of whether it's fair... um, I mean, it works. Everybody pays and everybody gets a benefit. Uh, That might not have been true sort of in theory, but it's actually what's true in practice. So, yes, it works very well.
9: But does it work...
8: Let me just finish. We've numerous times had the question of, should we replace the licence fee with another funding method? I hope we're going to have that again. We're we're still waiting. It's a bit like waiting for Godot for this independent review, Mm. uh, looking at the alternative methods... Uh, If that is a genuinely independent review which looks at the alternatives...
3: And comes up with good ideas.
8: Comes up with good ideas but also tests against the evidence, Mm. then uh, my hunch is we will end up uh, either with the licence fee continuing or with a universal levy like the German system in which every household pays, Okay, We will have to look at the more commercial alternatives, one of which is advertising and the other is subscriptions, so I think it's very good that, this, uh, that the government has said this is going to happen. It's not so good that it hasn't... It keeps not happening. So okay, I'm hoping so, it will finally happen. So
0: the review was ready to go when I left um, the day Boris Johnson was ousted. It was ready to go literally the following day, the day after. It's been done. The work's done. Yes. It just hasn't left the department doors yet. Yes. But, you know, do you- the review needs because do, we need... to Do you know who will be leading it? Is
8: that not revealed? So I, I can't reveal that. But, but you do know, but that's not... But we had gone good. through
0: that process. Okay. But... And it will be thoroughly independent. That, that was one yeah. of the The main issues was that it was truly independent. Yes. But, you know, there's a, there are a number of issues around that we need the debates. The debate mm. needs to happen Needs to happen in Westminster, it needs to happen with people like you, it needs to yes. happen in the public. Completely agree. But, mm. but, and also, I think, one of the reasons why that debate needs to happen is... That's 75% Mm -hmm. of the 49,000 prosecutions that happen a year for non-payment of the licence fee. 75% of those people who are prosecuted are women. Yes. And, you know, it's a regressive tax, as you know. Mm. Whether you're on benefits or a multimillionaire, Mm. you pay for that licence fee. Yes. And I think this now needs to be out in the open. Now... If you could choose a funding model, what funding model would you think should replace the BBC licence fee? Because,
3: Nadine, I think, to be clear, I think a lot of people became uh, sort of courtesy of the Boris Johnson government that they were very anti-the BBC and there was quite a lot of anti-BBC rhetoric, and I'm not saying that necessarily came from you. Yes, but it was how it was painted. We're not saying defund the BBC, to be clear, and that's not what you're saying. You want a more fair funding... So we're not saying we're going to get rid of the BBC, because I think a lot of people get in an absolute panic that the BBC somehow mm-hmm. is going to become some sort of commercial enterprise. A lot of people really love the BBC. Yeah. You love the BBC. Love BBC. What we're talking about is new funding models that you would like to see fairer,
0: that it's not a regressive tax. Can we be clear on that? This funding model, which has been in places that you, um, you, you know, remember better than I do, goes back many, many years. It is simply no longer fair that people like, I froze the license fee for two years now as mm. culture secretary. It's no longer fair that people have to continue to pay this escalating amount, this cost every year, particularly Well, it's not escalating.
3: You've frozen it for
0: two years. I froze, it mm. was so escalating. No, that's it's why I'm not escalating. No, 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 no. They, They've had real problems. Can cuts we in bring some facts in, in here,
8: please? Okay.
0: If. I did the, freeze it. That is a fact.
8: If. It's, it's, it's a fact that you froze yet. it, okay? but there are some other very pertinent facts about what's happened since 2010. If the BBC's real inflation-adjusted revenue had kept pace with... Ge- if it had kept pace with general inflation since 2010, it would now be over 40% higher than when you froze it.
3: Mm. 30% okay? in real terms I, is my figure.
8: 30% cut in real yeah. terms. Yes, That's the figure I've got the It was cut by 30% in real terms... Before, But you have, to overlay. Last, last you have
0: to overlay p- that with the fact that, that the number of people subscribing to the licence fee is dropping. It's not
3: dropping and by much. you got 260 a amount, million okay. people so coming into the BBC I'm, every day. I'm
8: trying to bring some relevant facts in uh, the situation before you froze the licence fee. Okay? Now, freezing the licence fee for two years at a time when inflation is whatever, let's say 9%, it'll average over those two... That's another 17% cut on top of the 30%. And this is in a market with growing competition and increasing real prices for for programmes and for distribution and technology, Okay, So at some point, the the point by defunding the BBC, the Conservative Party has defunded the BBC massively since 2010 in a market with growing costs and growing competition. They were able to deal with this by uh, getting their overheads down, by growing commercial revenue, by making BBC4 a repeats-only channel and so on. At some point in the next three years or so, the elastic will break. The director-general is going to have to announce some real cuts. At that point, I don't think any of us knows what the public backlash will be. But I can give you a clue, because in 2015, the BBC did a study focusing on BBC sceptics... The 30% who then said the BBC licence fee is not good value for money. OK.
0: OK, Richard, I'm being told I've got to jump in on Channel 4 while we've still got time in this okay. segment.
8: So, can Let I Let me say, if- that of the BBC sceptics, 68% changed their minds after nine away. days with no BBC. Yeah, yeah. When that was repeated earlier this year, it was 70%.
0: OK, so, um, Richard, I have to ask you about Channel 4. Do you think we should be proud... Uh, Patrick, sorry. Do you think we should be proud of programmes like My Massive Cock on
8: Channel 4? Did I just say that? <laughs> uh, I'm not interested in that question. Why, why is that a relevant so question? So, do you
0: think Channel 4 is value for money? Do you think Channel 4 yes. should be sold? Do you think no. you do, Why don't you think it should be sold? Do you think that it's right that, that a publicly owned asset produces programmes like Channel 4 do?
8: Well, I think that uh, it, like the BBC, as we were saying about the review of the BBC, I think it should be given editorial independence. I'm not a Mary Whitehouse cancel culture person. i didn't think you were, but I'm no, interested... not. OK, <laughs> but you're sort of saying maybe it, it, you think it should be stopped no, actually, my, my, like my
0: personal point on Channel 4 is that it has a business model which depends on one sole form of income, which right. is linear advertising, okay. which is unsustainable. Right,
8: so now let's cut to the chase. So the, uh, now you're talking what I think is the important issue, which is every time, and I think we're fourth time round, that there's been talk of privatising Channel 4... The message has been, it's not sustainable. And do you know Channel 4 keeps getting... They've just recorded record revenue and, and well, surplus. Well,
0: there are underlying okay. reasons well, for that, well, but UKGI would not agree with okay. you. I
8: personally don't think... The, I think the government has plenty on I've its got plate to, I've without. got to...
0: I've, I've, Patrick, thank you so much. I've got to
3: cut in because we've got, we've got to keep going with the show. Thank you, Patrick, so okay. much for your views. Thank you.
8: Some of my views... <laughs>
3: I'm sorry we didn't have enough time to cover everything those are both big topics so still to come they're at it again isn't it about time we stick it to these vandals we talk to a protester next welcome back Another day, another Just Stop oil protest. This morning, it was the turn of 55 Tufton Street in central London, a favourite hangout of Liz Truss, actually, home to right-wing think tanks targeted for their work lobbying for fossil fuel companies.
0: So, I've got a question for you at home. Why would this change anything? With us now is Just Stop oil protester James Skeet. So, James, what are you hoping to achieve by all this?
9: Uh, well, thanks, Nadine. Um, well, as, as you're well aware, um, our dependence on fossil fuels has landed us in this, this cost-of-living crisis and this climate crisis. So what Just a Boyle are calling for is an immediate transition to... Um, to renewable energy, it's nine times cheaper. Um, and by, by
3: the way, they, they do understand you can't do it immediately. Like, absolutely. Like you can well, a switch. And, absolutely. Well, what, I mean, what we're calling for is no can...
9: new licensing of consent. Yes, so, we so we actually no have new I think that's a
3: difference. Because and what we're
9: calling for is 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 um, a, an immediate uh, rollout of insulation of people's homes, which would help with people's bills this winter. Uh, free public James, transport. that's not going to keep people
0: warm. That's not going to stop well, elderly do people a getting pneumonia. It's not going to keep babies warm in their cots at I night. I think it will. I think and that's the purpose of insulation. do you not think you're turning people off what your objective and what you're trying actually, to do? Actually, actually, funny inconvenient Poll Paul came out yesterday. saying the
9: 66% national support for direct action to protect the Who climate. Who did that poll? Which I, Who well, did that poll? I, I don't know, but I tell you what, it sounds a lot did better you than the, that poll. No, it's a, it was a. We didn't even. We didn't have to. Um, but it sounds a lot better than the Tory party's uh, uh, approval no. ratings at the moment. And nothing so. to do
0: with us, James. <laughs> Honestly, I think you're turning people off. What you're trying to. What you're trying to achieve. I, you're I, stopping I kids that. getting to school. You're stopping ambulances getting to hospitals. You're stopping people getting to work. We have a blue light policy. We work. always let
9: ambulances through. Yeah, yeah, and, in fact, and in that. fact, i sympathetic the, the ambul-
3: that so many young people feel terrified, as, as and they, they might should. look and think that nothing's really changed. I also would like to point out that with a recession coming hard down at us you are right, there are going to be Eco-climate objectives, which are going to be put to one side. I, I do believe that and it happened. That and is, it it happened. You you know? No, you I'm saying that food 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 I I, I don't food agree food. with it. I'm saying that I sympathise with the panic that That's the young going to people in feel. Death of millions of people, that but I, I am genuinely worried that. Are you, are you happy? But like, I'm you've genuinely both worried. Got your message, you've both got the way you're doing it, your message is I getting obliterated. I you're turning people off. And you policies which will save the
9: planet, James. Well, it's got me on your program, hasn't it? But I mean, both of you have got children. Can you honestly look them James, in the eyes? Because say, you're
0: annoying, not because uh, well, of what I, you're I, doing.
9: I know I know I'm annoying, but I've got. I'm a man of many talents. But look, I, I know. Like, you, can you honestly say and look in your children's eyes when they ask you, "What did you do to avert this crisis?" Can you honestly say that James, you did we everything do lots. That you could? We
0: do lots, and so do lots of households, lots of people. I've seen your initiative. voting record, Nadine.
9: That's not true.
0: Lots. Of- I'm an absolutely massive supporter of COP26. It was the best environmental conference to be yes, held it's in this country nothing, this year. it?
4: No, James, it hasn't. it got us net
0: zero. You know, it's, it's, it's put us this on the This path year was to the first time that they were discussing fossil fuels. What the hell were they James, discussing the other James, 25 times? You're deflecting. Tons? You're deflecting from the fact that what you're doing is actually not achieving your objective. You're, you're you should be trying to bring right. both people of, both into of you, your on side. Both of you to are strong, powerful course. women.
9: You, you have ended up in this position because very admirable women took civil resistance and, and therefore you and changed history and you're now in that now position. You've got us. You see, um, and and the fact is, but they
0: is weren't it, annoying, James. They were they fighting were, They through. were a They're lot just more just annoying us. than us,
9: and they were a lot more destructive. James,
0: thank you for
3: coming on and <laughs> fighting your cause today. That's it from me. I'm off to take. Oh, sorry, Nadine is off to take a seat on the back <laughs> bench. James, sorry, <laughs> whatever you're up to, make sure it's uncensored. Good, Good night. night.